42! Blue, 42! Hut, hut, hike! This is The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5, America's one and only sports talk show. Breaking down college football's biggest games, latest news, and greatest moments. Are you ready? Because it starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Game Managers Podcast. I am Nick Norris, and it is just me here today, Justin Knight, celebrating his wife's, his lovely wife's birthday, Jordan. Happy birthday to Jordan, and preparing to wake up early in the morning for a trip somewhere up north. I've already forgotten, Cincinnati or another city. I can assure you it's one of the two. For some work training, not for this show, although we should send him to do some. Now, for his real job, because we do things other than this, believe it or not. Mm. What a great week for football, though, As if you're an Alabama fan. Maybe not so much for the Auburn fans out there. We're going to talk all about it. Alabama, Texas A&M, a nail-biter. Auburn, Georgia, maybe not so much. A lot to talk about there. We're also going to talk about LSU and Tennessee, Arkansas and Mississippi State, as well as South Carolina and Kentucky and a bit of sports news here and there, and some bits and bobs of other things. So, we are going to dive right into the news of the week. This is great. Do I have Justin slowing me down? Wow. We are we are moving. We're just sliding like butter. Is that a, an expression? I don't think it is. Wisconsin fired football coach Paul Crist on Sunday after the team's 2-3 and three start. Defensive coordinator Jim Leonard has uh, took over as the interim coach. So, yeah. Um, how did Wisconsin do on Saturday? First game with the interim coach. Let's give it a Google. How about it? I didn't get to catch every game. I was, I was working my other job as well. Let's see what happened here. Wisconsin Badgers. 3-3. Three and three. Looks like they got a win today. Over Northwestern at Northwestern, forty-two to seven. Very good. On to a good start. Not, not really. But you know what? A win's a win, isn't it? Here's something that's not a win. Following the leak of a practice video showing Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green punching teammate Jordan Poole, the Warriors are taking quote every legal course of action unquote to discover how the video was released to the public. The video obtained by TMZ Sports, of course, they get everything. I don't know how TMZ does it. They get everything. Made its rounds on social media Friday morning, shocking fans of the NBA. The altercation reportedly began with with the two players trash-talking before Green got in Poole's face, resulting in Green punching Poole. The practice was closed to the media, prompting Golden State to investigate the source of the leak. Now, Green has apologized to his teammates on Thursday. Was not expected to miss any games before the video was leaked. And look, he probably won't. This stuff happens. Whether it's right or not, I mean, it's not. But it happens. In sports, teammates get upset at each other. Sometimes there's some punches thrown. If he apologized and it was accepted, let's all move on. Right? Now, if Poole doesn't accept it, if Poole thinks that this is a 
an issue moving forward, then that's a different conversation. But if Jordan Poole is okay with it, everybody else should probably be too outside of Draymond Green, who, ob- who you know, maybe needs to work on himself a little bit. But hey, tensions are high. It's a stressful job, I guess, to an extent. So yeah, I get it. I get it. Not excusing it, but I understand. I don't think I ever got in a fight in any... Uh, well, that's a lie. I was going to say I don't think I got in a fight in a sport. That is a lie. I didn't get in a fight with a teammate, though. Nobody on my own team. I think that's important. But maybe it's not. Because who who cares, really? At the end of the day, I only played high school football and, and basketball. So, what do I know, right? Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson is reportedly dealing with damage to his throwing shoulder. While it won't require him to miss time, it will require require tr- 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 treatment to help him manage the pain. That news follows a series of substandard games for the first year, Denver signal caller, who in five games this season has completed 101 of 170 passes, 59.4%, not great, for 1,254 yards and four touchdowns to three interceptions. Russell Wilson... Not off to a great start for all that money he's making. He also tweeted Saturday, quote, If you're going through hell, keep going. Winston Churchill. That feels a little dramatic. I mean, hey, if you want to compare your, you know, your subpar performance to the, the mass bloodshed of World War II, that's fine with me. I don't care. But uh, it, it is odd. It is odd. And it's a bit, it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. We'll see what Russell Wilson's up to. I don't think he'll stay down. I think he's going to uh, to bounce back. He's a good quarterback, a great quarterback. He's going to be just fine, I think. I mean, everybody has some slumps in any job, wouldn't you say? Outside of me, I'm built different. But everyone else I know, you know, not always at 100. Now, the thing that would is a little concerning is that we're we're getting a little deep into the season now. So... At what points are going to turn around? I don't know. That wraps up the news before we get into the college football news that's going to come up later as we talk about the different games and things. So I think it's time we go into our next segment and look at some non-sports news. How about the weird news of the week in our segment, Miss Managers? Peculiar and wonderful and terrible and bad Mismanagement and mystery and dreams you never had Grizzly or grievous or beavers with cleavers Audacity and specialty and used to drive you mad It's a wonder any one of us can manage to survive In a world of, world of mismanagers You know, we have some weird theme songs. I don't know if uh, if anyone has noticed that. That's a weird theme song, wouldn't you say? Very Halloweenish, though. Perfect for October. Weird for the rest of the year. Certainly is. Let's get into the weird news of the week. This comes from shepherdexpress.com. They have done me a service. They've just compiled stories they found, so I didn't have to. The weird news of the week for the week of October 6th, 2022. 2022. We were just in 2020. I don't know where those two years went. Um, I got older, though. Significantly two years holding a grudge a family is seeking to press charges against an unnamed man who was briefly married to their mom in the 1970s 
Their beef? Allegedly, the New Jersey man arrives at Linda Torello's tombstone in Orangetown, New York, early almost every morning with his current wife in tow, where he urinates on her grave and sometimes leaves a bag of excrement. Uh, keep in mind, I'm reading these fresh just as you are, so I haven't proofread any of these, so this will be fun. Torello died in 2017, according to her son, Michael Andrew Murphy, who's now 43, in April of this year, he and his sister discovered a bag of poop and su you know, supposed a dog walker had dropped it. When the second bag showed up, they called police. Then they went to work, setting up a trail camera that recorded the man's visits and on S September 18th, taking video with a cell phone that identified him as Torello's one-time husband. My sister was crying. I was sick. I was so angry, Murphy said. No one in my family has had contact with him since 1976 or so. Police have been helpful. Murphy said he's called them three times and they won't put him in touch with a detective. 1976. How many years is that? That's a, that's like almost 50 years, right? I haven't had a grudge last... I mean, I, I'm not that old. I'm 24. But I've never had a grudge last more than like a year or two. You're telling me these people are mad after that long? You're still, you're still mad enough to go put bags of poop on her grave why is it why is it in bags are you pooping and then taking it you're not pooping on the grave what's the point what's if it's in a bag what's the point at this point you're just littering that's not even like she's not gonna that poop's not gonna get to her right what what are you doing this feels like a lot of work for little reward my opinion interesting Amanda Gamo, 51 years old of Bristol, England, required hospitalization after an unfortunate incident involving her daughter's chihuahua, Belle. As Gamo and Belle cuddled together during a nap, Belle suffered, quote, violent diarrhea, unquote. I hate when diarrhea is described as violent. It's upsetting, first of all, because it feels like it is violating the, the diarrhea and I don't like that. Some of which fell into Gamo's open mouth. Oh, no. Oh, she said in a quote, It was disgusting and I was hurling violently for hours after. I just couldn't get the taste out of my mouth. I hate this story. Why is this news? This isn't news. Uh, afterwards, she suffered stomach cramps so bad that two days later... She went to the hospital where doctors discovered an infection that had been passed on by the dog. This just keeps getting worse. She said, I'm happy to say both me and Belle are on the mend. Be more mindful. She said she was also going to be more mindful of what position we sleep in in the future. No, that dog will never touch my bed again. In fact, that dog is lucky it is alive. Maybe that's a little controversial to say. If a dog poops in my mouth, the gloves are off. There's no... No, I don't feel, no. Whatever I, however I react in that scenario, a valid reaction. You cannot take that away from me. I would probably hurl that dog through a wall. I probably shouldn't have said that on the radio. Bright ideas. Can't sleep? Pack your bags and head for Sussex, England, where you can spend the night next summer in a luxurious double bed at the Sleep Sanctuary. This isn't an ad. This is this is part of the the thing here. I get I guess it's going to be a weird turn. 
As you drift away, numbered numbered actual sheep will mill around the grassy hillside outside the glass dome, enclosing your bed. Emma Sleep, a tech company, is offering the one-night stay, which includes dinner, morning yoga, and breakfast. Counting sheep is more than an old wives' tale, said Dr. Dennis Schmoltzy. It's a tried-and-true visualization technique that the Brits are relying on to send them to sleep. I don't want to sleep with sheep. I just heard about this dog that poops in people's mouth. Sheep sound worse than dogs. I bet sheep smell terrible. I haven't been around many sheep outside of like at a petting zoo 10 years ago. But I can't imagine they smell good. They look gross. Right? I hate also, I don't need... Is that going to help you sleep? Just hearing animals walking around outside? You know what animals like get up to? In the middle of the night, they just scream. Animals just scream. Is that going to help you sleep? Probably not. This is stupid. Don't pay for this. Don't pay for this. Let's let's move on. The obvious question is, why are there so many naked people outdoors these days? Um, yeah, that's a good question. That's from this that's from this article. You know, I can't confirm that this happened because I didn't see it. But my neighbors have told me that the the lady that used to live in my current home would walk outside completely naked, butt naked, with a pair of scissors and cut the grass one by one. Now, if you can't tell, I don't live in a great area. Uh, on September 25th in McMinnville, Oregon, Coin TV reported an unclothed male subject was in his front yard, which drew the ire of his across-the-street neighbor. The neighbor launched two full beer cans hitting the naked man's house, which prompted him to go inside to receive, retrieve a shotgun. The neighbor grabbed a, shot, a handgun and shot five shots into the ground in an effort to scare the naked man. Luckily, no one was hurt, but the beer thrower was cited for criminal mischief. What are, you, what are you doing? Why are you naked? Who are you doing this for? You know, I guess for himself. Porch pirates in South Austin, Texas. Neighborhoods are driving residents crazy. The same people in the same car are hitting front soups day and night. So a woman, identified only as Gabriella, lovely name, came up with a plan. Her husband, put, but but it's only, it's only a lovely name if you go by Gabriella. Don't go by Gabby. That changes things. Her husband put a box of used dirty diapers on the porch, and sure enough, the same people came back and took the package, she said. Unfortunately, they came back and smeared those diapers on our front door. 30 minutes later, they came back with a giant bag of cow manure. They spread that all over, all over our front porch and on our cars in the driveway. I called police, filed a report. Now there's a detective on the case. Brittany Walker, who lives in, near Gabriella, confronted the thieves herself, yelling, I have a baby. But she said they just laughed at her. She said it was a really upsetting moment. Austin police advise against engaging with the suspect, uh, suspects. Yeah, uh, uh, how many? What? How much time we have? Okay, I can probably read a couple more here. Uh, let's see. A second grader in Jacksonville, Florida, has been expelled from Victory Christian Academy after their parents objected to a homework assignment suggesting students quote send a picture of you doing reading homework in the bathtub. Oh, no. Uh, Misty Dunham emailed the teacher, Hey, you might want to explain that. Send something out of the parents. Let them know what the intentions are. 
Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, Dunham also reached out to the school administrator and Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. School officials responded by suggesting that Dunham's, quote, should do a parental withdrawal for the child. When Dunham refused, the school expelled the eight-year-old. Pastor Jesse Lada issued a statement about the assignment but did not address the child's removal from the school. What? As, as a teacher myself, first of all, I don't give out homework because if you can't teach everything that you need to teach in the day, I don't think you're doing your job well enough. Never mind that, though. To, to, to ask for pictures of children in the bathtub? Not a great look, and a terrible look for the school to, instead of looking into this more, just tell the kid to get lost, and then expel him. An eight-year-old. Because of, because the parents weren't okay with their eight-year-old taking a picture in the bath? This is, this is insane. This is insanity. What is this story? I don't think I can end on that one. That one's too... That one's too too awful. Let's start. Let's end with this one. In January, Reebok introduced a new speaker in collaboration with the French luxury brand Mason Margiela. I don't know what that is. Uh, the classic leather decorte. Tabby Low is distinctive for its toe cleavage design, and now Indy 100 reported for being identified as a sign of the devil. Uh, remember, I haven't proofread these. I don't know. I'm just as confused as you are um toe cleavage like a flip-flop what do you mean a sign of the devil a facebook page called prophecy news warned followers on september 19th that the shoes resembled the feet of baphomet a goat de- deity associated with the occult reebok's instagram account has drawn similar reactions this is so satanic my family will never buy another sheep from you, one follower wrote. Another said, Satanic, no way will I ever wear those. Reebok counters that the shoes are based on a traditional Japanese shoe design called Tabby. Look, I don't want uh, any toe cleavage for myself. I have Flintstone feet. But um, to say that this is a sign that you worship the devil is is a reach. There's one more on this page. Should we do this last one on this page? We have time. I mean, it's my show. I guess I can decide if we have time. All right, uh, last one. American Airlines appears to have an unexplained noise issue on its planes. On a September 6th flight from Los Angeles to Dallas, passengers were subjected to groans and moanings that sounded human and vaguely erotic. Passenger and film producer Emerson Collins recorded the noises and posted them to his TikTok. His guess was that someone was pranking the public address system on the plane. Collins walked up and down the aisle looking for a possible culprit, but, quote, I didn't see anything, he said. Passengers on different American flights have reported hearing a hearty, oh yeah, when the plane landed, and the, quote, moans and groans of someone in extreme pain. But spokesperson Sarah Jantz said the noises are, quote, caused by a mechanical issue with a PA amplifier. Maybe, or maybe, the ghosts of passengers pass. All right, we do have to go to a break. So when we come back, we're going to finally get into the actual college football games of the week instead of um, all this random random stuff. So hang with us real tight. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5.
Welcome back to the Game Managers Podcast. I am Nick Norris, and we are going to get into all the big games of the weekend. And I guess we will start with Auburn and Georgia. Now, no one expected Auburn to have a chance in this game. And all those people were correct, because Auburn lost by 32. The final score was 42-10 to 10 in Georgia's favor. And it was never really close after the first quarter, where both teams remained scoreless. At that point, I was thinking, okay, well, I don't think Auburn has the personnel to be able to actually pull off a win against Georgia, but I feel like they could hang in there, maybe, you know, have an okay game. And then there was a fake punt. Now, this fake punt is what angered most of the fan base and just college football fans in general, because... It was so similar. It was so similar to Georgia's fake punt against Alabama so many years ago. The the players were literally looking at the sideline, waiting for the call. That's not something you do on a regular punt, on a regular field goal. Any you know, that's not something that that happens, right? Not really. Not like staring over. You know what you're doing. You get out there. There may be a little like a little thing that changes maybe in the blocking scheme or what have you. But not enough that you have to stand over there and wait for the the coach to remember what the the fake special teams play is because you so rarely do it that he doesn't have it memorized. That's that's different, right? Uh, that obviously is not the reason they lost this game, but it did make them look sloppy, and that's what's upsetting. I have uh, I've went to bat for Brian Harson for quite some time now. That's inexcusable. I couldn't excuse that. Uh, I don't know that he made that call. I imagine he probably did, or signed, you know, at least signed off on it, gave it a nod. Bad, bad call. Bad call. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but everybody in that moment knew it was happening and knew. It wasn't going to work, and it did not. Speaking of Brian Harson, there's been a lot of talk that maybe this will be his last week. Maybe the Georgia game would be the nail in the coffin, and over Auburn's bye week this coming week, they will part ways. Now, nothing like that has happened as of the time of recording. I am recording this on Saturday night around 11 p.m., exactly 11 p.m. right now, actually. So maybe that has changed by the time this airs. I don't necessarily think it will, but what do I know, right? I think that there's a chance he's going to make it through the end of the season. Now, that may date horribly by tomorrow, and if it does, I don't care because my word means nothing. But I will say this, I understand it if they do. I understand it if they decide to pull the trigger and fire him. Now, $15 million is a lot of money. And it was stupid to sign him for that much money. And I've always said that. I don't think any coach, any non-proven coach should be paid that much money. Now, yes, he was very successful at Boise State. But Boise State in the Mountain West is very different than coaching at Auburn in the SEC. Auburn has the toughest schedule every year in college football. And they have ridiculously high expectations no thanks to Big Brother Alabama being in the same state and being their biggest rival, as well as Georgia. Look, Auburn fans are hard to please. They are incredibly toxic 
to their own fan base. Everyone knows this, especially Auburn fans know this, right? And not all of them are, obviously. There are a lot of just content, or or not content, but calm or happy-go-lucky Auburn fans out there, right? But if you hop on Twitter, where all the crazy people live, and you just type in the word Auburn, there's a lot of crazy stuff. It's it's all Auburn fans being upset at Auburn and at each other for being upset or not being upset at Auburn. That being said, I get it. If they want to fire Harson, I think that's okay. Now, I'm not calling for him to be fired. I would never call for someone to lose their job. But if they were going to, it it kind of makes sense. His record is now 9 and 10. He is the first coach to have a losing record at any point during his second season at Auburn since Doug Barfield in 1977. He's now 4-9 against Power 5 competition. That's not ranked. That is just Power 5 competition. And he's 1-6 in his last 7 SEC games. That one right there is probably the worst one of all. 9 and 10 sucks, right? That's that's not good. But 1 and 6 in your conference that's that's unacceptable. Now, I always say every coach should have at least a third year before they are harshly judged. And I stand by that, and I wouldn't mind seeing Harson get a third year. I'm not somebody that's demanding for him to get fired. First of all, I don't care. But second of all, yeah, you got so much money tied up in him, why not give him a third year? You can't wait one more year at this point. I mean, you've been waiting 12 since the last national championship. What's what's another one, you know? It's not like you're going to, if you fire him, it's not like you're going to win one the next year. And it's not like there's just somebody you're scrambling to get. You're going to get Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin, best case scenario, one of those two guys. Great. You know, I mean, they're good coaches, don't get me wrong. And great recruiters. But they're not, I mean, they're not going to, they may not win you a national championship. They may, I don't know. But I'm not scrambling to get those guys, right? So, yeah, if they want to give them one more year, sure. The thing is, though, a lot of his issues are not talent outside of offensive line where there is none because no offensive lineman has been recruited to Auburn in the last 15 years. They recruit one every every leap year, right? But there are a lot of red flags that go along with Brian Harson's coaching style in the SEC. Now, I think that Brian Harson is a very good coach. I just think he is a bad fit for Auburn. Just look at today's game. Look at that that fake punt. Look at I mean, it's not there, right? And I don't know that he is willing to relinquish power to someone that can teach him that or take it over. I just don't think he's a good fit there. And that's okay. He's going to be $15 million richer and he'll go get a job at Arizona State or where, wherever and be and be very successful there. I just don't think he's a good fit at Auburn. And if Auburn wanted to part ways, I think there is now groundworks for that to happen.
Let's talk about the actual game, though, because we're talking all about the outside things going on with the game. Uh, we've got to start moving on here. Robbie Ashford, who's 13 for 38, 165 yards, a touchdown. He did carry the ball for nine yards and 52, or for, on nine carries, 52 yards. But he also had two fumbles. He lost one of those. Now, he's not the only quarterback we're going to be talking about today that has two fumbles. Alabama may have had one as well. Stetson Bennett, though, for the Bulldogs, 22 for 32, 208 yards. And Robinson, for them, their lead rusher, 12 carries, 98 yards, and a touchdown. But leader in touchdowns was Edwards, 12 carries, 83 yards, three touchdowns. He didn't have the most yards. He had the most that mattered. Georgia is a beast. And uh, this was bad news for Auburn, knowing that they were just coming off that close Missouri win. They were going to be angry, took out that aggression on Auburn in the form of 42-10. to 10. We do have to move on. So how about we talk about the Alabama game? Now, this was a wild, wild close one uh, that luckily worked out in Alabama's favor. But for a moment, for several moments, for most of the fourth quarter, we weren't sure that was going to be the case, especially that last drive when Texas A&M was knocking on the door on about the three-yard line, I want to say. Very close. Had a, had a play to win the game, threw it to the corner of the front of the end zone, incomplete. Alabama wins in a close one, 24-20. Now, this was not a good Alabama game, and you know what? That's fine. The starting quarterback, who has been the dominant force of the offense, was sidelined. He was not able to play. He's a little banged up. Bench him. That's okay. Jalen Milrow will be able to get them through. And he did. 12 for 19, 111 yards, three touchdowns. But he had a pick, and he had two fumbles. And he was not the only one to fumble in this game. Uh, Jason McClellan, he also had a fumble. What hurts Alabama in this is that there was three fumbles lost. Not just fumbled, lost. Four turnovers. How often does a defense hold a team to 24 points and get four turnovers and lose? Not often, right? Um, But in Alabama's lucky case here, they certainly did. On the other side of things, Kings for Texas A&M, 25 for 46, 253 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, a, lot of, a lot of interceptions in this game, but the the majority of them definitely coming from Alabama. Rushing, Jameer Gibbs, he ran the ball 21 times, 154 yards. Milrow scattered around a bit too, 17 carries, 83 yards. And for Texas A&M, Archain. Arcane, 16 uh, carries, 62 yards, and King also had 8 carries for 10 yards. Now, this game was incredibly stressful, very entertaining, and also gave Alabama, once again, as they did in Week 1 against Texas, the, the humbling treatment, the one that Georgia got last week with Missouri. Realizing that you're not unbeatable. You're not even probably the best team in the nation. And Texas A&M nearly upset the number one team. 
Now, Texas A&M is now 3-3. Three and three. They have to swallow that being six games into the season and owing Jimbo Fisher $95 million still. I don't know what they're going to do about that. I mean, I know what they're going to do about it. They're going to have to stick with them. But it's why when you get yourself in these situations, this is what happened. I never loved the Jimbo hire. I thought it was a good hire. I thought it was a terrible deal. $95 million for a guy with one national championship that can be chalked up to having generational talent in Jameis Winston. And then leaving the Florida State program in absolute shambles that it still has not properly recovered from. That's the guy you want to give 100 mil to? I mean, okay, it's your money. I don't care. Right? So, wild. Alabama, they're going to next week. This is going to be interesting. They're traveling to Tennessee, third Saturday in October. And I don't know how this is going to go. Tennessee is looking great. We're going to talk about them here in a jiffy. And Alabama's a bit banged up at this point. They're quite banged up. Quarterback literally could not play this week. I mean, he probably could have if he needed to, but he didn't. Alabama is a 9.5 favorite at the time of recording. The ESPN matchup predictor does give them an 81.7% chance of winning over the Vols. But I don't know. 10 points. It may be a little closer than that. Going to be a good game, though. Two undefeated teams finally meeting. Two top 10 undefeated teams. Not just that, two rivals. Haven't been properly rivals in really my lifetime. So going to be interesting seeing these teams both finally be good. Seeing how they react to one another. Tennessee reacting to LSU by destroying them. 40-13 to in Saturday's game. Tennessee proved that it is a top 10 team. And quarterback Hooker, 17 for 27, 239 yards, two touchdowns. On the ground, he also had 56 yards on 10 carries. And Jay Small, 22 carries, 127 yards and two touchdowns. When you're getting that kind of production out of your quarterback and your rusher, you're going to win a lot of games. For LSU, though, uh, Daniels, 32 for 45, 300 yards, a touchdown and a pick. He was also the leading rusher, unfortunately. 16 carries, only 38 yards. LSU was very one-dimensional in this game, and they were absolutely strangled by Tennessee. Had no shot of winning this game, and it never felt like they were properly in it. In fact, the score only looks that good because they got a touchdown, or they got six points, I'm sorry, in the fourth quarter when it was already very much over. Looking forward to that Alabama and Tennessee game coming up. Let's talk about Arkansas, though. Getting absolutely plowed by Mississippi State, 40-17. to I'm upset at this Arkansas team. I was really hoping they would continue improving, keep going in the right direction. And now at 3-3, three and three, they're just going to be struggling for a bowl game. Hornsby. 8 for 17, 234 yards, a touchdown, and two picks for the for the uh, the Hogs there. In Mississippi State's Will Rogers, 31 for 48, 395 yards, three touchdowns. He just continues to dominate. Alabama needs to, may need to watch out for Mississippi State as well. By the time that game comes around, Alabama is always a bit banged up. Hmm. 
We want it to be interesting. Let's see what Mississippi State's schedule is looking like. Looks like Mississippi State is going to travel to Kentucky next week before coming to Bryant-Denny, checking out Tuscaloosa there against the Tide. Ooh, followed by hosting Auburn and hosting Georgia. What a terrible stretch for Mississippi State Bulldogs. I'll be praying for them. Thoughts and prayers are being sent their way. Mm. And now let's talk about the one that really breaks my heart. Number 24, South Carolina beating number four, beating Kentucky 14. Sorry, I accidentally called South Carolina the 24th team. They are very much not that. They had a score of 24 compared to Kentucky's only 14. Now, Kentucky was ranked 13th, right outside the top 10, sadly, after last week. Going to drop a lot more this week as Spencer Rattler went 14 for 19, 177 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Sheeran. Kentucky, 15 of 27, 178 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Kentucky, though, not able to get it done. South Carolina taking home the win. I hate that. Anyway, we are up against a break. When we come back, though, we have quite a few segments we got to get through. Professor Knight, the award ceremony, and our esteemed letters. So, stay tuned. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to The Game Managers, where we are about to give out the most esteemed awards in the sporting world, the TG Emmys. I'm Nick Norris, and let's get to our first award, one that I give out myself. And this week, that award is the most awkward TV moment. And I cannot wait to share with you who will be taking it home And that's going to be Jimbo Fisher. Please come up to the stage and collect your award. And don't uh, don't stare at me for so long as you did today. Nick Saban, Alabama coach, waiting to shake his hand. Now this appeared on TV in real time, and it was painfully long. So Nick Saban was very busy coaching, getting ready during the pregame warm-ups. Jimbo Fisher standing directly behind him, about five yards away. Just staring at the back of his head, waiting for his moments to shake his hand. And although I respect the friendliness and the sportsmanship, it made for awkward TV sitting there and watching him wait shyly that long. Very awkward. Hmm. Justin Knight is usually here with me on the show. Unfortunately, he is absent tonight. He did go ahead and send his award that he would like to give out. And that award is to Mr. Fumbles. And the Mr. Fumbles Award goes to Robbie Ashford, Auburn quarterback. Now, this is fair. As Auburn has fumbled 16 times in the last 22 games. But, here's the thing. Robbie Ashford isn't to blame for all of those. Now, sure, he had two fumbles this game. And sure, they lost both of those fumbles. And that's really bad, right? Mm. But... So did Alabama's Jalen Milrow. So he also had two fumbles, and they were both both stolen. So 
he could have won this award just as easily. What's up with it with these uh, Alabama quarterbacks not being able to hold on to the ball? Especially Jalen Milroe. His arms are as big as my thighs. No reason to ever lose that grip on that ball there, buddy. Uh, I say that knowing that I would do the same thing. But also, I'm not a superhuman. My, I mean, I don't have Hulk arms like that guy, so good on him. Hmm. That'd be nice, though, wouldn't it? Best of the week. Our word for best of the week. I'm going to have to give this. I'm, I hate this. I'm going to have to give it to the University of Texas. Now, I don't like Texas, but they had a blowout win, 49 to nothing over the Oklahoma Sooners in the Red River Showdown. Now, as much as I dislike Texas, I love a good shutout in a heated rivalry game. So they absolutely, without a doubt, win best of the week this week. And after the conclusion of best of the week, that leads us to the bust of the week. The bust of the week is essentially the exact opposite of best of the week. And this time around, I've got to give it to Alabama State head coach acting like a sore loser, putting a hand on uh, on Jackson coach Dion Sanders and throwing his other hand up in the air during their handshake at the end of the game like a mad little boy. Now, I don't know what was said, what was done. All I know is that it was very childish. Dion Sanders looked shocked and <laughs> almost embarrassed at this. And for good reason. I mean, a very childish response. I don't even know his name, and I didn't care to look it up. But I do know that um, Alabama State head coach, not a good look for that guy at all. Hmm. Now, I know we're going a bit out of order this week, but I think we should go around and, uh, and hit up some, even though Justin's not here, maybe hit up some Professor Knight. All right, students, gather round and put on your listening ears. It's time to visit the Learning Corner with Professor Knight. What are we learning today, Professor? Okay, well, I just choked during that intro, so excuse my voice. But let's check out some sporting events that happened on this day. My goodness, my throat. This makes for good radio. This is what people want to hear. Hmm. Good stuff. All right, 1953. This is a sad one. In Birmingham, Alabama, of all places, Jackie Robinson's integrated All-Stars team is barred from playing there. Robinson has to give it up, drops the white players from his group to be able to participate. Hate that. You know, why? I'm not going to get into it. People, people... People were racist, and they still are. I don't know if you know that. Sports history, 1961. New York Yankee pitcher Whitey Ford, he breaks Babe Ruth's record of 29 and two-third consecutive scoreless innings in the World Series. He goes on to extend the streak to 33 and two-thirds, which still which stood until 2000. And in 1972, despite retiring with suspension trouble at the U.S. Grand Prix, Emerson Fittipaldi, was the first Brazilian to win Formula One World Drivers Championship, and he won it by 16 points. That same year, in Game 2 of the ALCS, Oakland A's Bert Campaneris fires his bat at a Detroit pitcher. 
Hmm. Let's skip around. Let's how about we go to the year 1995 when the Dolphins' Dan Marino breaks Tarkinson's NFL career completions record. We're going to see another another stat like that here, very similar to that here soon. The year 2005, NHL great Wayne Gretzky gets his first win as a coach as the Phoenix Coyotes beat the Minnesota Wild 2-1 at Jobbing.com Arena in Phoenix. And finally, in 2018, New Orleans quarterback Drew Brees becomes the NFL's all-time leader in passing yards, needs 201 yards to pass Peyton Manning's record, gets 363 and three touchdowns in the Saints' 43-19 win versus the Washington Redskins at the Superdome. I remember where I was exactly during that game. I was at a Chili's. What a lovely time for everyone, especially myself. I was eating chilies. All right, that brings us to the final segment of the day, listener letters. Go getters, write letters. We're the ones who read them. Please don't stop writing in to fill the time we need them. We are reading letters, the letters wrote by you. We are reading letters, the letters wrote by you, and if you'd like to write us a letter, you can do so at GameManagersPod at gmail.com. You can also write us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram after you give us a follow at TGMPod. Now, John took the time to write us a letter this week. We hear from John pretty often. Thank you, John. He sent, Auburn fan here who is no longer watching this junk. Any TV suggestions to fill the void? Hmm, I've watched a lot of TV here recently. I've been watching the Dahmer series on Netflix. It's quite gruesome, though. Definitely would not recommend watching it with anyone else or yourself if you get uh, have an easy sick stomach or are afraid of people chopping you up and eating you. Some other good shows I've been watching. I've been watching Marvel She-Hulk. Quite like it. Very fun times all around. Um... Let's see, what else have I been watching? My parents have been into the new Game of Thrones show. I don't remember what it's called. Dra- dragons and and How to Train Your Dragon. Something like, yeah. Uh, it's pretty good, apparently. Um, let's see, The Rings of Power is out now. Haven't got to catch up on it yet, my Lord of the Rings. But here it's very good. I'll, I, here's something I've learned about myself. I'm not picky when it comes to media anymore. I used to be one of those guys I was like, hmm, not a very good movie. I only watch great movies from from the past. No. I, you know, anything that gets me out of real world, I love it. Like this is great. What a what a what a cinematic masterpiece. I don't care if it's Cars 2. Wow, incredible. Good stuff, I think. So I'm maybe not the best guy to ask, to be honest. Now I'll tell you a show that has been wrapped up for a long time. Um, only three seasons. You can find it on HBO Max. The Leftovers is a phenomenal series. Probably my favorite TV show of all time. The premise is essentially that one day 2% of the population vanishes. Completely random. It's across the globe. 2% vanishes in the thin air. No one knows what happens. It doesn't seem to have any sort of religious religious connection. And these people just go mad not having the answer to something, especially in an age where every answer is at our fingertips. Highly recommend that show. Um, has a, a, a very good conclusion. Um, definitely highly recommend that one for sure. 
We also have a letter from Sam. Uh, Sam said, How different is this game with Bryce Young? I'd say it's probably a touchdown or two different. Probably two. I think uh, it doesn't end that close with Bryce Young. That being said, it doesn't matter. He wasn't able to play, and anytime you have to ask this question, it's admitting defeat. Now, Alabama did win, but that's still admitting defeat. So, yeah, it, they probably would have won by more points, but also, it just wasn't going to happen. And that's okay. Sometimes things just don't happen, right? And that's fine, I think. Very good. Well, like I said, if you want to reach us, you can do so at GameManagersPod at gmail.com or at TGMPod. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please give us a like and a follow there. Would very much appreciate it. If you're listening on a podcast platform, go ahead and give us five stars. Tell them, tell the, the app why you like it, why you like the show. Helps, uh, helps us get discovered. And yeah, continue listening to WJLX for all your your sports and oldies music needs. Next week, we should have Justin Knight back with me here on the show. Always nice to have Justin here. I feel my throat gets so dry when I'm the only one talking for an hour. I never have enough water. I, I bring a, a big glass of water. It's never enough. My throat is, I, can, I mean, I can. it feels like I'm scratching the back of it right now. Good stuff. Anyway, thank you all for listening for reaching out and emailing us and listening and emailing and listening. So thank you all for those things. Until next time, we will see you then. And as Justin always says, I'm bad at my job. Goodbye, everyone. Blue 42! Blue 42! Hut! Hut! Hike! Thank you for listening to The Game Managers. Like the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGM Pod. Until next week, goodbye, adios, and sayonara.